In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Forrest inside. Jokic, 23. Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, TJ McBride. You can find me on Twitter at TJ McBride NBA. And this is going to be a fun show. Brought Kendra Andrews, friend of the show, back on to talk about the Nuggets' first two days of training camp, which, let's be honest, training camp is a very loose term considering what is currently going on. Um, Training camp right now is one person on one end of the court with one coach and another player on the other end of the court with one coach. That's it. So you can't have group activities till December 6th. They're not going to they might not even have their full team ready to participate by December 6th. And then they got preseason games on the 12th. So we are literally like here. Everything is coming up very quickly and Nuggets are not in a position to be ready for it just like everybody else basically in basketball. But to break down the interviews we've had so far, Monte Morris, Jermichael Green, Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, Michael Malone, Tim Connolly. To break down all of that stuff, I brought Kendra on to talk about all of her takeaways, talked about my takeaways, talked about Monte Morris being excited about having more guards on the roster, talked about the upside of Zeke Naji, talked about Jermichael Green's fit, talked about all kinds of fun stuff. So... I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I had fun recording it with Kendra. She's one of the best people in the business. She is the uh, the Denver Nuggets beat writer for The Athletic at Kendra2 underscores Andrews on Twitter, the Rainbow Skyline podcast. She does great work, so make sure you go check her out. But... Thank you to everyone who's been listening. Thank you to everyone who's been leaving reviews, by the way. I've been getting reviews on uh, iTunes for Apple Podcasts, and that's really cool to see. So thank you guys so much for taking the time to leave a nice little comment in there, leave a five-star rating, all that fun stuff. Also, shouts to Indeed and Bet Online for being the sponsors of the show. Make sure you go listen to the Freddie Adu documentary podcast, American Prodigy, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And it's time for our first break. So we're going to take this break, tell you about Indeed, and on the other end, you're going to hear my conversation with Kendra Andrews. has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every single hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back into the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. Friend of the show, Kendra Andrews, joins once again. How are you doing, Kenny? Can't get rid of me. I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm okay with this because it makes my life a lot easier just to like yell questions at somebody else and make them That's answer fine. it. I yeah. don't have to be the smart person on the podcast anymore well, because I have who you. says I am. <laughs> I do because I don't have to be for once. So I'm cool with this. Uh, but 
Day two of training camp, quote unquote, training camp is done, I guess. Uh, the Nuggets are still in the position of only being able to have two people working out with, uh, well, one person on one end of the court with one coach, another right. player on the other end of the court with another coach. That's it. So I don't know how we can call this training camp. That's like the most loose term I could possibly conceive of. But regardless, there are still takeaways. We've now spoken to Michael Malone. We have now spoken to Tim Connolly, Greg Whittington. No, we haven't spoken to Greg Whittington yet. We're going to talk to Greg Whittington tomorrow, I think. Uh, we have not talked to Faku yet, but we did get to talk to Isaiah Hartenstein today, which I thought was very encouraging. Um, and I'm trying to think back. Who even spoke day one? Jermichael Green. Who was the Are other talking about Monte. And Monte. Monte and Jermichael Green were the first two. Sorry, my brain is scatterbrained <laughs> ever, since, ever since the offseason. But – Let's get into our initial takeaways because Michael mm-hmm. Malone also spoke at that. Um, what was of, of the two days, not even just today, what is something mm-hmm. that has just immediately stood out to you? I, I think that something that stood out to me, and I, I wrote about this after day one, is that at least in my interpretation, there, there's a lot of good things going on, it sounds like, and it seems like. However, One thing that kind of struck me is the Nuggets aren't in the position that they thought they would be heading into this season. And I think that's what stuck out to me the most. And that's not to say that they're going to be bad because I don't believe that they're going to be bad. I just think that they thought they would be in a better position than they are now heading in. And of course that has to do with what happened in free agency with Jeremy Grant leaving, having to uh, to, uh, rescind the qualifying offer from Tory Craig, Mason Plumlee leaving. That has to do with it. It has to do with so many new players coming in. And like you said, TJ, only as of now, only being able to have a one player with one coach and not being able to build the chemistry that, Uh, kind of took a step backwards because of losing those players I just mentioned. Um, So that's not to say that they're going to be a mess when the season starts in a few weeks. I don't think that's the case. I just think that they thought they would be maybe in a more comfortable position, a little bit more knowledge of where they would be heading in into games. Well, the past five years, they have returned almost every starter, almost every bench player. Like their bulk of their rotation has been back. That is no longer the case. And they're doing that within the most unprecedented offseason in NBA history and the most chaotic, whatever you want to call this training camp that has ever right. been seen. So now they're like you said, they were, they were stunned. They were not ready for Jeremy Grant to walk away. Tim Connolly was very gracious today, said he has earned his right to be an unrestricted free agency. He hopes him well, yada, yada, yada. But the Nuggets were not stoked about this. Like, they were not waiting for Jeremy Grant to, turn, <laughs> to come you know, to leave Denver. They right. thought that they were going to have him here. They had their um, four best players solidified and ready, which is one of the most important things you can do when there is so much unprecedented moments that are upcoming. Now they're searching for their defensive identity. Now they're trying to figure out how to incorporate multiple ball handlers. Now they have seven new faces on the roster and they have to do it without having any group activities. And the thing is, is is on paper, and and when we talked to Isaiah Hartenstein today and and Jermichael Green the other day, when they talk, you you nod your head and you're like, yes, this makes sense for them to be in Denver. They fit well all on paper. But again, they don't get to work out as a team until December 6th. That's yeah. six days before their pre, their first preseason and We game. don't even know if they'll have a full team practice. Group exactly. does not mean, mean full team. So it's like, if, if this was any other season, it wouldn't be as meh, like a devastating. <laughs> like the, the jarringness of it is right. so overwhelming. Like, it's, so that's my thing. It's like, you know, they're not screwed because mm-hmm. these guys are good players. It's just the fact that you have to now incorporate all these players into this team when you can't be together, when you're trying to build off of a Western Conference Finals run. It just, it, it, it's, I don't know. That was, that was my big takeaway that like, there are some questions for them at least in this preparation period of of the season. Yeah, I would say that this was the most momentum Denver had after Mm -hmm. completing a season that I can remember. Of that 100% momentum, what percentage is now left from that momentum, from just the deflatingness of free agency? Right. 
I mean, I would still say it's way more than 50%. Like I, I would agree still, with this. I would still give them like a, a 70, like a 60 or 70% mm-hmm. of momentum heading into the season because, I mean, you look at the rest of the Western Conference and yes, a lot of teams did get better. You know, Phoenix, I, I'm really excited to see what yeah. Phoenix does yeah. this year. You know, I think just with everything happening, you know, what, what's Houston going to look like? What's OKC going to look like? What the changes they made? You know, the, both LA teams, really curious to see what happens with the Warriors, you know. But like, like I said before, I don't think that the Nuggets necessarily got so much worse where it's like, ah, shit, they're going to yeah. be at the bottom. I don't think that's the case. I still think that they have a lot of momentum coming into it. I just think, you know, we were like heading into this off season. It was all like, I remember TJ, we've had multiple conversations of like, they just need to find that piece this ne- this off season during free agency to, you know, whether that's going to be Bradley Beal or Justin Holiday, or like, they just need that piece to take it to the next level. And then it's like, well, instead of finding that piece, they are now having to retool what they lost. So it takes some wind out of their wings, but I'm not going to sit here and say, well, they're not going to make it to the conference finals or whatever. There's still a possibility. It's just not going to be as obvious, maybe. Yeah, and and this is probably my second thing that came from today is that Tim Connolly meant no words. The Nuggets need Michael Porter Jr. to take a leap. That is now on full display, and no one's hiding from that fact. Tim Connolly is the king of, let's just keep expectations mild. We don't need to make all of this so overwhelming and unnecessary. Today, he was like, listen, man, we need Porter to take a leap. Without that, Denver's playoffs, because again, I think you're right. Regular season, they're going to be fine. I don't give a shit like they'll be fine they're gonna win 48 games because of the shortened season whatever yada, mm-hmm. yada yada they'll be a top four seed most likely but the playoffs is where you really get into the meat of where did they lose their edge this offseason michael porter jr can overcome that edge he has the ability within him to not just defensively because he's not going to become jeremy grant defender <laughs> overnight but offensively in the way that he fits and adding jermichael green to the mix like there is a combination that exists there to where you can overcome the loss of jeremy grant that is not out of the question and i think that was what tim Connolly was kind of saying was that he doesn't want to put all the pressure on michael porter jr and say all of our eggs are in your basket but like that is our pathway to getting to where we want to go and unless that happens we need to find new ways to get there and i think that's the most glaring um anecdote that kind of struck me from this was denver's all in like their eggs are in the michael porter jr basket because they didn't trade them and they lost the other wings that were important on their team Mm -hmm. and i think it goes to show how the nuggets are going to have to change their identity a little bit this this season you know they've hung their hat or yeah that's the right saying on being this defensive you know, juggernaut. That's what Mike Malone is all about. But now it's, especially if you are leaning on Michael Porter Jr., it's it's the offense that is mm-hmm. going to have to be great. And when you look at some of the players that they brought in, Facundo Campazzo, then already you have, you know, Jokic and Murray who thrive offensively. Michael Porter Jr. is known for his firepower offense. They're going to have to lean into that and say, well, we might not be able to necessarily stop all these guys, so we're going to have to outscore them immensely. And I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to have a really big role in that because he is such he has potential to be such a scorer. We saw that in Orlando. And I think this is going to say so much about Michael Malone. I think we actually talked about this last time. I think we, we did too. Show. We're just repeating ourselves. No, no, but it's, <laughs> this is still a really, really, really important point, I think. Michael Malone has always said that he does. he's not just a defensive coach. I remember his first press conference in Denver. He said that. I know that I was a defensive guy in Sacramento. This roster does not fit the same way that Sacramento's roster does, and they took an offensive approach. I'm so curious now that Malone got a taste of playing good defense and that it does exist. Yeah. If he can then backtrack and start to re um, reinvent this team, not even reinvent. That's the wrong term. Just get them to buy into offense more than defense. Right. That little, you know, segment of amount. But if they're able to do that, there is enough scoring here to really make a lot of interesting dynamics mm-hmm. come into play. Um, I don't think they'll ever be able to defend anywhere near where they were last year. They just don't have the perimeter no. containment. That's just always going to be your problem. But Michael Malone is going to have to find creative ways to get the most out of this roster. And I do think he can do it. It's going to be fascinating to see how he does it though. And mm-hmm. I can't wait. Cause like, 
even though they got a bunch of offensive minded dudes, they're also like really hard workers and tough. Oh, yeah. So like Facundo Campazzo, Michael Malone's going to love him despite the fact that he gets blown by 12 times a night. Like he's going to love the fire that dude has. Isaiah Hartenstein's never been like an incredible defender, but he works so hard. Malone's going to love him. Like there's a lot of that on the roster. I, I also think it's going to be probably really good for the development of these players yes. too. Because, because yes. you know that Michael Malone isn't going to sit and be like, well, we don't have any defensive, like, you know, real strong defensive identity players. So eh, I think that he's going to force these players to become better defenders. He's going to look at guys like Isaiah Hartenstein, Jamichael Green. uh, I mean, any of their bigs, really Paul Millsap. He's going to be like, no, you guys are going to play defense. And it's going to be really good because you're going to start to develop these guys into more two-way players so maybe it won't necessarily be there this season, but come next year, I mean, these guys will have to add more defense to their repertoire and that's just going to be better for them in the long run. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And there's also a reality that like Jamal Murray takes a leap defensively, which mm-hmm. he did in the bubble. Totally. Gary Harris could end that up being too. the starter. Jamichael Green is on the floor and Nikola Jokic is a much better defender than advertised. Like, there you go. You have four passable defenders and Michael Porter Jr. Who's like as long as Gumby out there playing <laughs> basketball. So like you have the ability to create a functional defense, but it cannot be the way they did it last year. Right. You can't just be like, we're going to fight. We're going to stand in front of you. You're not going to get like, no, you can't do all of that raw, raw bullshit. Like you got to get down and figure out creative ways to slow teams. And if Mm -hmm. you can't do that, you will not be able to run a basic standard NBA defense with this group. They got to get aggressive. They got to be hedging. They need to get out and transition and force steals. Like that's going to be the way that they are able to defend. And I have no idea if Michael Malone will be willing to do that because the first thing he said about defense in his media day presser, when he got hired six years ago was, was we are not going to play four on five defense jumping for loose balls and steals because we're not going to leave our guys hanging behind us maybe he changes that (laughs) Um, but Denver would be in a much better position playing extremely aggressive in my opinion defensively going forward Um, let's talk about Will Barton who was a Mm -hmm. focus of both interviews to be honest with you because he is so important people forget that Will Barton being in that Lakers series might have changed the outcome which is I I know it's an asinine thought to a lot of LA fans but they were one Anthony Davis game winner and two coin flip games away from being up in the series without Will Barton and they couldn't get the ball to the other side of the court the entire Mm -hmm. time so there's a chance that Will Barton changes those things so everyone's curious What's going on with Will? Freaked, weird knee injury that no one knows anything about in Orlando, yada, yada, yada. Sounds like he's healthy. Everybody is on the same lockstep that mentally and physically, Will's doing well. And that was very revealing to me. Is that what you kind of took away from that as well? Absolutely. I mean, it's super encouraging to hear, um, you know, Michael Malone, Tim Connolly, even Monte Morris saying Mm. he is healthy. I don't, I mean, Monte Morris said that he's the best that he's ever felt in his life. I'm I like, love Monte. I don't, I, Monte I don't know. Monte will sell his think... dudes until the day he dies. It doesn't right. matter. Everybody <laughs> that he loves is the greatest player and they're in the best shape of their life and I respect right. that. I'm like, Will Barton's been in the league for, for a, a while. I don't think, yes. it's interesting, like um, in, in, in tangent, but not tangent, it's relevant, I promise. But in Kevin Durant's uh, Zoom interview the other day, someone asked him about how he's feeling, you know, coming off of his Achilles tear, like, are you 100%? And Kevin Durant was like, well, dude, I've been in this league for 11 years or something like that. So am I 100%? No, because that's the wear and tear of being a vet in Mm. this this game, especially coming off of an injury. But I am as good as I am in this with yeah. the wear and tear. My body I as it is, is 100%. 100%. I'm and not so I, what I was 100%. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's probably the same case for Will Barton. Is he 100% the best that he's ever felt? No, no because he's he's been in this league for a while and he's gone through some rough injuries. But can I buy into the fact that he is as good as his body will currently allow him to be with his age, with the wear and tear, with the injuries? I, I do buy into that. We saw how he rebounded from an injury last season. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, there's no way that he's yeah. not going to do that again. He 100% can because he proved that he can. So I think, you know, the Nuggets and Nuggets fans should feel encouraged that 
at least everything that's being said is seems to be that he has made a 100% recovery from whatever that knee injury is and he is ready to go tomorrow you know probably tomorrow when he he goes to I believe practice. he clears the whatever stage or level or however they're defining this yeah. weirdness to be able to start playing in this individual exactly. setting um so we'll see about that two things i wanted to hit on that you said number one first of all is gary harris or sorry mm-hmm. well, monte morris no. something very 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 interesting it was four words he is dunking again when i heard that i was like wait where the hell was will at during the bubble like that dude tried to play a half of basketball where he couldn't even get to the rim like Mm -hmm. people need to remember will barton was a dunk contest contestant like the fact that he couldn't dunk like that is crazy to me and it's much more indicative of where will was at in terms like i have not had that clarity on where will was at physically until monte said that and i found Mm -hmm. that incredibly important to the overall complexion as to where will is at right now um the other part of it is will barton is a guy who is needed denver without will barton on this roster not even looking back at the playoffs and what he had none of that shit they have one wing Mm-hmm. it's michael porter jr if it's not will barton they have no one else so if will barton's not there you're asking vlako chanchar pj dozier or someone like that to fill like 28 minutes a night which just you cannot ask that of people who are not at that level when you're trying to contend for a title they need will barton to be healthy and available for this roster or they're going to take a gigantic step backwards in my opinion yeah i mean i think that's probably one of the worst things that could happen to this team heading like in this season like you said regardless of last season what they lost whatever as current roster members stand they need him he is the bridge from the starting lineup to the bench unit he gives them so much like middleman play if that makes any sense like no it's like a midfielder in soccer like you need somebody who can do a little bit of everything exactly everything together Exactly. I just a soccer reference. I don't think I've ever done that ever in my entire life. So that nice was job. <laughs> yeah, I'm have... very proud of you. <laughs> Do you have another thing on your brain that was an important takeaway from training camp that you would like to discuss? I'm thinking. I, I think I think we hit on, you know, the really big things. I think mm-hmm. it was like I kind of mentioned this before, I feel I think it was really encouraging hearing um, Isaiah Hartenstein and, yes. and Jamichael Green. This speak is my next one. Their their outlook on this team. I think it's fascinating that Jamichael Green said he almost came to Denver last season, and then my mind was like, was he like what what would have happened with Jeremy Grant? Were they like in between Jeremy Grant and Jamichael Green? But then they decided to go to Jeremy. But they had Grant Paul Millsap like, on the team option for thirty million still too. Right. So I was like, oh my gosh, like what, what's the tea there? I want to know what happened. You want to know I my think, theory, by the way, while we're on yes. this topic, I think that they were going to decline the team option to Millsap, sign Jermichael Green at the mid-level and then go try and get a guy like Tobias Harris or something like mm. that. Uh, but again, that's just theory. Go ahead. Right. right no, I was just saying, I think like hearing that he created a relationship with, with Michael Malone there. He, um, just had you know they he was on the clippers they obviously played in the conference semifinals last season and <laughs> he, he made had, that very clear in his interview <laughs> yeah and he was like had nothing but i mean of course you're not gonna like shit on the team that you just joined but he was just talking yeah. about how much their offense stood out to him how mm-hmm. he's like there was there's no pr- pressure from any coaches to play a certain way he was like they played so openly so freely mm-hmm. it wasn't you're not chained to to this spot, this position, this this guard, this whatever it is, he's he seems very high on Denver, and he said that he was like in talks with them. Like, I mean, I just feel like they were kind of like Denver feelers out to him all year. Denver had feelers out on Jamichael Green since before they got Paul Millsap. They've always right. like, and this is not to say they were close to getting him. When they said they were right. close to getting him last year, that's much more you know impactful than what I'm saying right now. But Denver has always been like. That's a guy we like. That's a guy who yeah. will play well for us. It's a guy who fits our culture. It's a guy who fits his name. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, Arturis loved him. Mm-hmm. A big guy that Arturis loved. So that it makes a ton of sense. And also, while we're on the topic of Jermichael Green, yes. I don't think he meant to take a shot at the Clippers. I don't 
think I, he meant to take one either. It came off that way. I'll tell you right now, my uh, Twitter stopped working yesterday because Legion Hoops and everybody literally started like throwing that shit into the fucking internet. Because I put out the quote where he said, the, you know, they had heart. And I wanted to go play there. And that literally, when you say that, it means the team that you are on had less heart. Well, There's no way to avoid that. No, and I mean, you see, shameless plug into the athletic do it you know, today you know shout out to my co-worker Yovan Buha but Such he's a done a story. lot of reporting and he reported today about a lot of the the issues that were happening with the Clippers behind closed doors and even not even very much closed doors he's in in a story <laughs> he reported that you know after they lost to the Nuggets in that series the word chemistry was mentioned several times in Doc Rivers' post-game interview in, you know, so many role players for that team's post-game interview was the chemistry wasn't there. You know, there was issues with whatever. So, of course, that's going to translate to not playing openly and freely on the court. Yeah. So, I mean, did Jamichael Green have that in mind when he said that? Probably. Like, <laughs> most likely. But I don't think he was like, I love how you the Clippers. Chaos. I love how you're like, yeah, he totally meant it. Fuck the Clippers. This is amazing. Let's just steer into this. I, I love it. I say he's saying F the Clippers, but it's like... Well, in that know, story, like, you, sure felt that way. I, like, shouts to Yovan for an incredible story. Have you ever had like someone ask you a question about maybe something that you were like, then it wasn't great, whatever, but you're not... So it's in your mind when you're mm-hmm. responding, but you're not good. You're not being like man, F that, F them. But it's like, mm, I have some tea on what that was. Yeah. And I don't know. That's just how I took it. It definitely Maybe wasn't scripted I'll say myself. that. And also the best part of this was literally minutes after that tweet went viral, the Clippers put out their thank you video for Jermichael Green. I just about <laughs> died. I was just laughing hysterically to myself. Um, but let's go off the, that chaos. Jermichael Green is a very good player. He's going to shoot well. He's going to defend well. He'll mm-hmm. show you guys better passing skills than you expected. He's a much better rebounder than Jeremy Grant ever yes. was. There's a lot of very good things. Um, we'll get a lot more into Jermichael Green in future podcasts because he's going to be so important. Isaiah Hartenstein today. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I really wanted to hit on. He said star in your role at least a half dozen times in his 10 yes. minutes today. Yes. It was so revealing how dedicated he is to doing what it takes to win despite the skill set that he possesses. Mm-hmm. That combination of, in terms of his ability, just with the way he sees the game, um, it's tailor-made for the Denver mm-hmm. Nuggets, man. Like, totally. This dude could not have said anything better and none of it was scripted. Like That right. was not an RJ Hampton interview. And this is not a shot at RJ Hampton. Like Everybody <laughs> get coached up for their interviews because it makes you look better. Like That's all good. Like You should do that. Isaiah Hartenstein was not scripted. That dude was just speaking and he meant everything he said from saying i was a second round pick Jokic was a second round pick i watched Jokic film so i can get better as a passer i play with pete with uh monte morris and we were the best pick and roll tandem in the- that to me was huge yes. when he said that i was like because because you think back to okay because isaiah hartenstein it's filling the role of mason Plumlee, backup center monte morris your backup point guard you think about the chemistry and the relationship that uh, mason Plumlee and monte morris had you know, with their pick and rolls, with just the dynamic that they played together with. Okay, so then you rewind to what I said, you know, 15 minutes ago about the issues the Nuggets might have face building chemistry when you can't play together. The fact that their backup center and their backup point guard have a pre-existing, not friendship, not we know each other, but playing relationship where we were, quote, the best pick and roll duo in the G League. I mean, I Tim Connolly was probably on the sides, like doing like some happy dance, being like, "Listen, the Nuggets that. organization." <laughs> I can say this because I've sourced it from multiple people now. They're ecstatic about having Isaiah Hartenstein. This is not just like, "Oh, we got a guy on the minimum because we needed a big." Like they believe Isaiah Hartenstein is going to be an incredibly important part to their team, similarly to how Mason Plumley was, if not even more. Like mm-hmm. that's on the table here because Hartenstein is a. Big, is a bigger guy because his wingspan is not the mm-hmm. size of a T-Rex. So he's able to like block shots. Um, <laughs> I love Mason, but he also made this joke about himself, which is why I use it. So it's so okay. Mason, his own joke. <laughs> but Isaiah Hartenstein can shoot beyond the restricted circle. He is a longer, more mobile big. He is athletic and can play above the rim still. And he can move on the perimeter like Mason did. 
he's going to add all of that defensive coverage that Mason Plumlee gave to Michael Porter Jr. this year. Like, how many times did Michael Porter Jr. get blown by, have no idea what exactly. he's doing, and Mason totally. Plumlee appears from nowhere? Like, <laughs> that Isaiah Hartenstein is going to fill that role so well. Mm-hmm. He is a, actually a very talented player. I've talked to, I believe, like, six scouts now. All of them are like, dude, it's a fucking travesty he hasn't gotten minutes with, right. the, with, with the Rockets. And, and he mentioned that, you know, when especially when the when he said that he felt that he was starting to prove himself he finally got into the rotation a little bit and then of course the rockets go into what did he call it micro ball micro ball and it's like we're in the land where tall ball rooms like (laughs) he will be i love how he didn't want to put words into the coach's mouth but he was like i don't think we're gonna be playing micro ball here in denver (laughs) he said that three times he's like and it's 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 true and i think i mean going back to what you said about being a star in his role, which is so Denver, it reminded me, you know, something that Jamichael Green also said, he goes like, I don't care if I start Mm -hmm. off the bench. I just want my minutes to make an impact. And I think that both of those statements say so much about these guys. It's like, they understand that they're coming into a team that has a pretty established core group. Um, I mean, Isaiah Hartenstein knows he will not start over Nikola Jokic. Yes. Michael Green knows there's a chance, you know, Paul Millsap might start whatever. At the end of the day, whether you're starting or coming off the bench, if you're playing 28 minutes per game, it doesn't matter whether you're starting or coming off the bench. You have an opportunity to to really make an impact. If you're not starting, hell, you might be closing, which might say more about your skill set than if you're starting. And so I think that just says so much about these guys' mindsets, what they think this team can accomplish, and, and just, you know, what they want to be able to, to do heading, heading into this group. I, I agree with all of that. I, there's, it's rare that you can find a guy this ready to fill a role in this culture in the way that they needed it for a minimum contract. Like, that's a, mm-hmm. hell, of a, that's a hell of a play yeah, by Jim Connolly. Um, did you have anything else you want to say on Jermichael Green or Isaiah Hartenstein before I move on? I don't think so. The last thing I have from training camp so far goes back to Monte Morris, and it was him mm-hmm. talking about Facundo Campazzo. Yes. He, Monte Morris is the one who is most at risk of losing minutes. And this is not to say Monte is the worst guard on the roster. He just plays the most minutes off the bench as got the guard position. So if Facundo gets minutes, it's probably going to come at the expense of Monte. That's a tough place to be because Monte is up for an extension this year. He knows Denver values him, but he also knows that other teams value him as like a starting level point guard. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of factors in terms of how he is um, evaluated as a league level and a team level and how his role exists within that. And it's very complex for him. I couldn't imagine trying to figure out where I stand in the grand scheme of things based on where things are currently at. But despite all of that, he was like, yeah, I want more playmakers here. Like, let's go. Like, <laughs> I did not expect that. Like, don't get me wrong. I fully expected Monte Morris to welcome Facundo Campazzo right. with open arms be the best veteran leader that he has always been even since mm-hmm. he was is a, a two-way contract player he's been that kind of a leader but i didn't expect him to be so excited right genuinely excited and i think that there's um i think this is very indicative of michael malone's thinking he just wants playmakers now he realized right. in the playoffs that when you have two dudes who are on the same set together and you can't get the ball <laughs> to the end of the court your offense dies or you take a bad shot And I think that there was a big emphasis this year. We're going to have a lot of playmakers, not just this year, but the year after, the year after, the year after, with the R.J. Hampton pick. Mm -hmm. So that was very revealing to me. And it speaks volumes about the teammate that Monte Morris is. I agree. I think it says a lot about who Monte Morris is. I think it says a lot about kind of what you mentioned. I don't want to be too uber repetitive of what you said, but, you know, the lack of playmakers maybe. And I think it also says a lot just about the different lineups that Malone's, you know, sees that he can, can maybe put together, you know, whether that's playing Jamal and Composo together, is it playing maybe just, Don't get me too okay, excited I know, I know <laughs> Hartenstein said no micro ball, but maybe do we see Composo and Morris on the floor together mm-hmm. at times? It, 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 it gives them a little bit, it just gives them some wiggle room to do whatever. Also, this season is just so unprecedented. Having two guys like Monte Morris and Facundo Campazzo, 
if one of them gets COVID, has to miss a week or two, it, it's, it's security. It's, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's insurance of saying, as long as we don't lose both of them, someone will be there. And I think that that's also, I mean, I'm not saying that that was their decision. Of course not yet. Maybe. They love Facundo and have for exactly. years. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's, an, it's an added benefit of there's, I mean, they're probably going to be missing some guys this season at one point or another. So having more guys at that level in those positions is not a bad thing. And let's be honest, the Nuggets started the playoffs last year without Will Barton or Gary Harris on the they, roster. Like they only had one guard available for them. And it wasn't even a game. It was Troy Daniels. It was a shooting guard. <laughs> I Maybe love Troy Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> I like Troy Daniels a lot. To have him as the only guard on the roster being there for two weeks was like complete comedy. But if something goes wrong, like let's just say Gary Harris isn't ready to play. I get I have not two. That too. No idea what's going on with Gary. Let's just say he's not ready to play game one. Let's just say that you're terrified of playing two dudes who are six one or shorter off the bench. Starting Facundo next to Jamal Murray is actually beyond tantalizing for me. I love the idea. Well, and don't forget that Michael Malone did not say that Gary Harris has that starting two that spot. Part. So whether or not Gary Harris is ready or not, that's not to say he's going to, like, maybe he is ready. That he is not, as of now, he has not promised a, a starting. You know, let's screw it. Job. I'm going to put you on the spot. Will Barton, Gary Harris, Facundo Campazzo. Who starts at shooting guard day one? Game one of the regular season. Let me be more specific. Of I don't the, know the regular fuck. season? Yeah, I don't give a shit about well, preseason. I was going to say preseason. I'm like, no, oh, he's going to probably do musical chairs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking like real games, important games. Who do you think starts at the two? It's tough. It I is, it is with tough. And quite honestly, no shade to Gary Harris, but I'm more torn between Will Barton mm-hmm. and Facundo Campazzo because if you have everyone's talking now about is it going to be Michael Porter Jr. or Will Barton starting at the three, you could but we, like we said, Will Barton does so much for the team. He could start at that two position. He could get pulled a little bit earlier in the game. Have Facundo Campazzo slide in, and then Will can still be that. I don't disagree. Do everything. I just think thing. that it eliminates so many minutes for guards, and you remove your only other wing from it's the position. Oh, and that's why I say I'm I'm torn about it because yeah. it is an option, and it you know, and I think I I think that Gary Harris is going to have to do a lot in training camp and in those preseason games to 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 you know retain his job because you know we were texting about it the other day after Michael Malone said that that position was up for grabs is that Michael Malone has always rushed to the defense of Gary Harris and starting Gary Harris and standing by him and for him to outwardly say like he's not knocking on Gary Harris but he's not standing by him and defending him as a starter as he has in the past says a lot about it was the very first time yeah it says a lot about where Harris stands in in the roster right now and it's it's really unfortunate but it's it says a lot yes and michael malone like you people need to realize gary harris is the longest tenured player on the roster michael malone does not have a closer relation or a longer relationship with anybody on the roster compared to gary harris and he is a guy who goes with his relationships yeah and Gary Harris, like even going back to right before the bubble, people were asking him, what is your starting shooting guard position going to look like? And he was like, Gary Harris is our guy. That was mm-hmm. the quote that he gave. So from that point to here, just literally the playoffs expanded to the offseason through here, something changed. And again, I don't think that Gary got hurt again. I, don't, I have no idea what changed. I just think it got to the point that Michael Malone realized he cannot continue to put all of his eggs into the Gary Harris basket because he is not being repaid with what he needs. And at this point, he has to find a new way. And I don't think Will should be included in the conversation for starting two. I think he will be. I don't think he should, but I think he will be. And if that, if what I think is the case, which is Will Barton not being involved in that conversation, I think Facundo starts and you bring Gary Harris off the bench with Monte Morris. I think that just makes significantly more sense for both the bench and the starting lineup and for your overall roster cohesion, um, which would be stunning, by the way. Nuggets fans would be blown away. Did you, did you see that there was, I forget who tweeted it yesterday, but there was a gif from, um, Oh no! What's that basketball movie with Will Ferrell in it? Um, oh, semi-pro. 
yeah, there's a the video of him just passing back and forth and see these like Jokic and Composito playing together. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Uh, but seriously, like I don't think people realize that like it's a Sports Center top ten moment every time that Jokic and Composito are on the court together. Like there's gonna be a point where Michael Porter Jr. blocks a shot. Jokic grabs the rebound, outlets to Facundo Campazzo, who makes like a one-handed no-look skip pass to Jamal Murray on the break for a dunk. And like right. everyone's going to lose it. Like, I wish I had the tweet because DNVR is – they're so funny. They tweeted something like – Capazzo gets the ball on the break. He uses his dark magic to make all the basketballs disappear. And Michael Porter Jr. suddenly has it. And like, that's kind of the insanity that we're kind of walking into if he starts. And personally, selfishly, God, I would love to see that happen. <laughs> like, how much fun would those three on the court, or four? Michael yeah. Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Capazzo, and Jokic on the court together is just endless. It's going to be a fun basketball season. And I like, it's... It's going to be fun to watch. That is for sure. Whatever happens, they will produce some entertaining basketball. Yes. Uh, let's talk briefly about Zeke Naji before getting out of here. Um, so you spoke to Zeke Naji. I have my own thoughts. I have not been able to speak to him other than the draft, which was there was like literally 70 <laughs> people in those rooms to talk to the draft prospects. So I want to bounce some things off of you and you can kind of tell me if his mindset, if his personality kind of right. matches up with his ability to get to these levels. Um, the first thing is he can become a legitimate 35 plus percent three point shooter. Do you believe based on talking to him, talking to other people about him, that he can reach that level of player? I, I do. I, do. Sure. I think that really when it comes to any part of development is I feel like a lot of players are this, so it might be kind of cheesy, but like a, being a student of the game, mm-hmm. um, when I talked to his uh, college coach, Coach Miller from, from University of Arizona, he said that he has never seen someone develop as quickly as Zeke Naji did in his one year at Arizona. And just, he, he entered a good player and left with all these other skill sets because he wants to learn. If you tell him to improve on something, he will dive head first. So just completely immerse himself in that. So if someone says, Hey, I think it would be really good for your game to get better at three point shooting, or he decides that for himself, I want to become a better three point shooter. If he can't accomplish it, it won't be because he didn't try to, Yeah, I think is what stood out. You know, it, it'll have to be something else. Maybe he just doesn't have the mechanics to do it, but he will train his body yeah. to have the perfect angle of, of shot. This is why I wanted to ask you because in, in your story, which was great on The Athletic about Zeke Nagy when you spoke to him and his family, you spoke or you wrote about the fact that he was a concert pianist and mm-hmm. that um, – what's the word dedication and nuance required to become that good at that instrument. It is very rep, uh, you know, replicable to the end. Yeah, it's, it's based on reps. The more reps you do, it's just about doing it over and over and over and over again. He said, you know, some days you sit down at the piano and you practice for three, four hours a day, just doing the same thing, the same piece. So it's muscle memory. You're not even, you don't have to look at the keyboard. You don't have to think you just move. And he approaches basketball the same way. He doesn't want to have to use his brain too much to think, oh, is my elbow at the perfect 90 degree angle? Is my, you know, do I have the right grip on the ball? He just wants it to become muscle memory. So I could completely see him if he's like three point shooting is what I'm going to do being in the gym, shooting threes for as long as his body can (laughs) allow him to do before his arms want to fall off because he understands that muscle memory is so important and you won't be able to do it unless your body knows what to do without, like, it needs to be instant. The, the, The sensors in your brain say, do this and you do it and you don't overthink it. And I think that that, I mean, that's a, it's kind of crazy. It's a little psycho, it's, but it's yeah. huge. <laughs> like, this is why I asked the question the way I did. is because this mentality of growth, it's very Kobe-esque, to mm-hmm. be fair. In terms of like, I'm going to shoot this shot 75,000 fucking times until I make this shot every time I put it up. Right. And it's very similar to that neurotic aspect of training. And when I hear Tim Connolly say, we did pick best player available in the draft. Like, when he says that, 
of course it's easy to be like, no, you didn't. Like it's Zeke Naji. Right. There were a lot of it. Maybe there is a reality here in which he fully believes in the work ethic and him growing into the player that he could be a top five player in this draft. He can grow into an absolute legitimate shot blocker. He can grow into a three and D big who can defend on the perimeter and hit 37% of his threes. He can offensive rebound like a monster already. He's already a regular rebounder. He can set screens and roll and he's athletic. Those combination of skills set the table for a potential all-star if everything breaks right. And that's crazy because I don't think anybody would like peg Zeke Naji as a potential all-star in the future, but Tim Connolly sees something. And if Tim Connolly sees something, I believe Tim Connolly because <laughs> this is kind of where we're at at this point. And I really do think based on what you wrote and what you just said and his neurotic preparation and the amount that he puts into every aspect of his life, whether it's piano, whether it's three-point shooting, whether it's being close to his family, like all of these things are dedication to a level that you rarely, rarely, rarely see. So I think that the optimal outcome of Zeke Naji is very much so on the table. So totally. I think Tim Connolly might've been right about we took the best player available there. Well, and I think in addition, like even in addition to that, it's like they know that they don't need Zeke Naji to be that guy this year, mm-hmm. probably not even next year. I mean, I think he'll have we'll a bigger see. role next year, you know, a lot can change between now and then, but they knew that they have, time for him to to develop and learn and get that muscle memory for whatever he wants to improve on instead of being like okay now go yeah and and learn and having to learn it on the fly i think that was that's a really big plus that they they don't need him right now so you know give him the bull bull michael porter jr Mm -hmm. treatment let him develop and then you know there's gonna be a lot of upside to him i really think that this isn't just a guy you draft to play center. This mm-hmm. is a guy that the Nuggets think can start alongside Nikola Jokic in yeah. the future at power forward. I, and, the, and he is play, and that's the thing is he's played power forward. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was at Arizona, he, and, and Coach Miller, Sean Miller spoke on this too, he was asked to play the four at times and he did. He was asked to play the five and he did. And I think the Nuggets see that too. Like Tim Conley said today, they, it's, it's a positionless game or it's becoming one. And the Nuggets, full-heartedly believe that they do not buy into well the tall guy is center and the short guy (laughs) is point guard and the medium guys (laughs) right they're like no we're gonna have bull bull as the small forward no we'll have zeke naji as the power forward so i think it fits really well with the philosophy the nuggets have I agree with all of this. And I also think that there is a big, big, big reality in which Zeke Naji at power forward alongside Nikola Jokic is fantastic Mm -hmm. too. Because one thing about the neurotic preparation and the being a concert pianist and all of these things is he doesn't go outside of what he cannot do. Like he does exactly what he knows how to do and how to do it the right way. And he doesn't stray from that. And alongside Nikola Jokic playing mistake-free basketball that highlights the best skills you have. That's just how you play. That's a really good point. So it's just something I've been playing with. I really think Zeke Naji is going to be a very good player here. I think that people are underrating the hell out of what's going to go on here. I was, I was, I'm culpable of this before the Nuggets drafted him. And I started talking to the Nuggets individuals in the front office about this kid and started to hear some of these things. And then I read Mm -hmm. your story about just like how dedicated he is to getting better in all facets of life. And it just struck me. And I really feel like this is going to be a very exciting time for Denver Nuggets fans. Also, Jermichael Green's contract is only two years. (laughs) He could literally. So random. (laughs) I know, but he could just slide right in to Jermichael Green's role after this two year contract. We have to say, you have to tell everyone, TJ has now, he talking about dedication and and muscle memory. You have, you were, you know, diving headfirst into the cap salary contract money. I don't think people realize how much goes into those because I sure as shit (laughs) did. I was, I'm like, huh? I've what never used. <laughs> you want to know how bad this is? I haven't used Excel. I haven't used Google Sheets. I haven't used whatever the fucking Apple one is that I don't even know the name of it. Like, I've never used spreadsheets. I have no idea how they work. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> like, go build a five-year running salary oh cap sheet God. with all exceptions for the nuggets. I was like building equations for like four hours yesterday. I was losing <laughs> my mind. Losing my mind. This is what happens when you're an unemployed writer. Welcome to my new reality. The listeners of this podcast, <laughs> it'll be a very weird time. So, 
<laughs> but yes, if you want to go check out my NBA or Denver Nuggets salary cap sheet, it's somewhere on my Twitter. I don't know. But yeah, that's about it. Kendra. <laughs> Kendra, where can they find you? Oh, talk man. about your double underscores and talk about what you got coming up. You know I have. Love my double underscores. Kendra, <laughs> double underscore Andrews um, on Twitter. There is a Kendra underscore Andrews. She seems like a very, very lovely lady. I've had some interactions with her on Twitter. Um, but yes, two underscores, Kendra Andrews on Twitter, single underscore on Instagram. You can find me um, on The Athletic, on the NBA page, on the Denver page. Rainbow Skyline Podcast. Uh, oh, yes. Rainbow <laughs> Skyline Podcast with the great Dave. You have before. so many things that you do now, you can't even remember them. Congratulations on being famous, Kenny. I'm, I'm not, but thank you. I'll pretend that I am. <laughs> you won't. Most humble person I've ever met in my life. You'll never pretend like you're a celebrity. But seriously, thank you so much for taking time just to like bullshit about training camp and to talk Anytime. a little bit about Zeke Naji and your story. I have to keep my friend of the show status alive. <laughs> I'm probably going to hit you up a lot to do this show because we all, we're good at just bullshitting. So there will be more friend of the show, Kendra, to come, guys. Do not worry. But Kenny, thank you so much for taking the time. I will talk to you very soon. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures every single day. Head to Bet Online today and take full advantage of the great signup bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you all again for sticking around with the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, sticking around as I got a new microphone and missed a podcast and leaving all those reviews on Apple Podcasts, for leaving a five-star review, for leaving comments, for sharing it on social media. All of those things help so much, especially now that I'm looking for work and I'm trying to find new ways to be able to cover this Denver Nuggets team. So thank you guys again so, 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 so much. Thank you to Indeed. Thank you to Bet Online. Thank you to Kendra Andrews of The Athletic. Kendra double underscore Andrews on Twitter. Don't forget that. She's awesome at what she does. But thank you to so many people who have allowed me to continue to do this podcast. It's not going to stop. We got more and more coming. Free age or free agency is over. Not really over, but chaotically done. Um, but training camp is going to continue going. We got preseason games coming up very soon. You're going to get post-game podcasts, Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcasts, podcasts based on anything that happens in terms of player movement or rumors or whatever may come. You're going to have this Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast to turn to so thank you guys again for always sticking around for always supporting for always sharing it's going to be a lot of fun this season chaotic but it's going to be a lot of fun so thank you guys again we will talk to you in the near future please stay safe and please keep wearing a mask and we'll talk to you guys later